As you know, it's important to me that the supplements I recommend and use are of the highest quality. That's why I stock the Protocol for Life Balance product line at my online dispensary, drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. Protocol for Life Balance offers a wide range of professional grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research, including a new extra strength version of astaxanthin for immune, brain, and vision health. Astaxanthin 12 milligram extra strength. It's a naturally occurring carotenoid that plays an important role in cellular protection and healthy immune system responses. Astaxanthin has also been shown in clinical studies to promote normal cognitive function and may help to maintain a positive mood. In the eye, it helps to neutralize free radicals and manage eye strain due to computer usage. Astaxanthin 12 milligram extra strength is available at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's that time of week again. It's our weekly Q&A with Layla, an opportunity to answer your questions. Questions come to us via questions at drhoffman.net. And so I'm here with Layla Mutin, who is our uh, registered dietitian, as well as a, having a master's in uh, a master's degree in nutrition. How are you doing, Layla? Okay, Dr. Hoffman, how are you? Good. So, uh, you ready to field some questions? Yes. Go, actually, we have actually uh, something that can tee us off in a, in a conversation, something one of our listeners contributed to us. Yes. Michael sent us this. In case you didn't see this study, uh, this is about planks and wall sits being the most effective for blood pressure reduction. Okay, so yeah. So what they're saying is that among all the exercise, I mean, there's like various types of exercise. You know, you can run, bike, swim, exactly, uh, dance, yeah, uh, you know, do sport, high intensity high interval inten training, right. all uh, of that kind of lift thing. Lift weights, uh, mm -hmm. pump iron, right, etc. Uh, so tell us what is for those who are the uninitiated. What is a plank and what is a wall sit? Wall sit and and planks are more isometric exercises. When you're in a plank position, you're kind of at the top end of a push-up. It could be on your hands or it could be on your forearms, which is harder to do. So it's kind of like doing a push-up yeah. without going up and down. Exactly. Like holding it. You're holding it. It's right. isometric exercise. And it is actually uh, intrinsic to yoga to do It that. is. Yeah. It is. To hold the position. When you're in the position of warrior two, yes. you're in a lunge. You're not moving in and out of a lunge. You're staying there. So it's the warrior isometric. is with one arm outstretched. Yeah. I, actually, and you're in a lunge position where your thigh is, is and parallel. It, it, it burns. It does. Yeah. After it, a little while, it yeah, burns. Yeah. Yeah. So, so isometric exercises. Okay. And what they did here, this is, um, we know, we know that the role of exercise training is as is very effective or even as effective as, as uh, taking a pharmaceutical for intervention to mm -hmm, some degree, mm -hmm. right? And traditional aerobic exercise remains the primary recommended exercise. But what they're saying is this is based on old data. What about some new data on all of this? So what they did, this is a large-scale systematic review and network meta-analysis of 270 
randomized control trials. And what they found is that optimal exercise prescri prescription practices in the management of resting blood pressure. So what does that look like? Aerobic exercise training, dynamic resistance training, combined training, HIT, and isometric exercise all were great mm -hmm. for lowering blood pressure. They do, they do help. They're not worthless. They do worthless. help, absolutely. Yeah. But what they found overall is that isometric exercise training is the most effective. Okay, so in reducing both systolic and diastolic. So a couple of ways to do a wall sit. I mean, typically what you do is uh, you make yourself you go against the wall. Yeah. Uh, with your and you legs, kind of slide down. Legs outstretched, mm -hmm. not outstretched straight, but like no. bend at the knee mm -hmm. with your feet like fir planted chair. firmly on the ground. Like you make yourself into a chair. You make yourself into a chair and against the wall. Yes. And try and you try holding it, and you can have a timer. Yeah. You know, thirty seconds, a minute. Maybe you can do it for two minutes. Yeah. Another modification on that is to use a ball, mm -hmm. like a one of those. Uh, what do they call them? Bosu balls, or the, the, you know, like a like a ball. You know, yeah. like an inflatable ball. An inflatable ball that you sit on. Yeah, the, those balls that you sit on, right? Exactly. It, it, it forces you to balance yourself, right? Which is great for core training, right? So yeah. that's going to hold your core. Yeah. And you try to hold it a little longer. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. going to be good for your lower extremities because it's really good for your Absolutely. quads, Absolutely. but also for your core, mm -hmm. and also it'll help you with your blood pressure. Now, this reminds me a little bit, we had a sponsor a while back, the Zona device. The Zona, Z-O-N-A. Z-O-N-A. Right? And it's still available. Yeah. Uh, and although they're not sponsors, you know, uh, give a shout out to the Zona device. Yeah. And what it does is it programs you through... Yes, some uh, isometric... Grip. Grip exercise. Right. Which is easy to do. Even if you can't do that, you know, uh, wall exercise. Right. You, maybe you can't do a plank. Yeah. You know, some people who have high blood pressure, they're a little bit debilitated, but they can grip. They can grip. And it trains you progressively grip. to can, grip. Yeah. And that's isometric. Yeah. But um, so, I and when I, I intuitively, when I mm -hmm. uh, read the copy for them, I said, you know, and it sounds to me a little bit like, a, way, a guided way of doing a plank. Yes. Because I notice the kind of strain that happens when you do a plank is kind of whole body yeah. um, stress a little yeah. bit. And what it I, does is it sends a signal to yes. your circulatory system to recalibrate your blood vessels, let's yeah. say. Right, you know, or something. I, I think the plank may be the single most effective exercise. If you were allowed to choose only one exercise mm. to do ever, yeah, that has to be it. I'm not doing enough of those. Yeah. I do everything else under the really, sun. You know, yeah. Or even even the days where you feel like you don't have time, mm -hmm. at least do three sets of thirty second planks mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah, one of the for, things that I just uh, kind of I'm rediscovering in the gym is uh, exercise that involves hip abduction and adduction mm. and you can do that on the ground the with, a, with a clamshell mm -hmm. or you can do that with bands you know like mm -hmm. sometimes you see people with like their feet are almost like tied together with these yeah. thick bands yeah and they sort of walk sideways like they sort of do step 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 with with the elastic band uh -huh. at tension and yeah. what that works on is it works on your abductors and your, and, and your, and your adductor. adductors. Yeah. And what's interesting is that we do a lot of work sometimes with cycling and with uh, running 
and it has to do with your big quads, big quad, muscle big muscles. But these little small muscles are very important. They support. They support, and they're very, very finicky. Yeah. And so you, we tend to be weak. You know, we're very strong sometimes in like you can do curls, you know, yeah. like big, big biceps. But then these little muscles around your rotator cuff and your shoulders yeah. get ignored. And so I'm finding that the secret to exercise longevity is to pay some attention to some of these less obvious areas, mm -hmm. you know, that uh, tend to create problems with uh, balance. Right. And, um, you know, which when they're not strong, they mm -hmm. can lead to injuries elsewhere, like right. knee, knee injuries. Yeah. Uh, there's, they're stabilizers. They, they stabilize, yeah. like, the they're knee stabilized. joint. They stabilize. The shoulder, yeah. Good old-fashioned calisthenics, getting down on the ground and walking like a duck mm -hmm. around the room. Yes, yes. You're using not just the big muscle groups, but you're using those adductors too, because you're turning corners and you're mm -hmm. you're waddling, right? <laughs> but kind or, of in a squatted position, or like those Cossack dancers. Yes, you know the Russian with all the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> they, hard. They, they, they fold That's, their arms and they go, hey, exactly. hey, and they kick their legs right, up. Right, 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 <laughs> like that. Okay, <laughs> Russian calisthenics. Oh my goodness. Yeah, or yeah. or kettlebells can oh, hit yeah. that. Kettlebells can hit that. Where you swing a kettlebell, and that's a Russian thing or a yeah. Turkish thing. You know, yeah. it comes from that part of the world where actually where your family originally is from, the Caucasus and mm -hmm. the uh, uh, which is now so contested Crimea. Yeah, yeah. Okay, kettlebells. Um, okay, so you know, I think when you get on, think back to old-fashioned exercise. And now I'm going back to Jack Lane. Yeah, yeah. When you lay down on your side and do your your leg lift up, I do that every morning. Doctors, I do that every morning. Doctors, yay! That, I do that every morning. And there's a condition that runners and cyclists get a lot, uh -huh. which is TFL, tensor fascia lata syndrome, which is like a pain around the side and mm. into the hips. Mm -hmm. And it, it this that kind of exercise is good for averting that. Yeah. And because uh, I did like a lot of high volume cycling, uh, I don't know, a few months ago, I started getting that and I, I had to start. Uh, it's like moving in the same static way all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all you, we need to engage. We need to move in other ways to engage everything. And that's why they say don't use the Nautilus machines at the gym. Use free weights. Free weights, right. And use them in different mm -hmm. form so that you're able to, you need so, to move about naturally. And, and a great tool that I like, and it's relatively inexpensive, and if you have. Uh, you can even use a door jam, but if you have like a garage, you can put a hook in the ceiling and you can hang it from this. Is the TRX? TRX systems cost like a hundred and change, mm -hmm. and it basically is a strap with handles, and oh, you can nice. adjust the height on that, and you can pull, push, put. You know, you can do all kinds of different things uh, with that piece with your own body weight. Terrific. And I'm doing a fair amount of that too. Yeah. And I, I'm seeing it's it's gaining in popularity. Yeah. It was invented by a, a special forces guy, I think, a, like a Navy wow. SEAL kind of guy, and he was like traveling a lot, doing a lot of deployments, a lot of training uh, to places where they didn't have gyms. So he said, "What can I do?" And he invented this as a way of having a something he could throw in his suitcase. Yeah. Uh, very light, and he could set it up anywhere, and he could get a full workout uh, with that. I remember giving a gift to somebody. It was the Navy SEAL training video. <laughs> okay. And I watched it and I said, "Yeah, wow. 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 And one of the most, I think the, um, the simplest exercise to do on that video 
was get up and sta- sit down on the ground, get up, sit. That's the, you do it 50 times. It's the Turkish get up. It's the Turkish get up. Yeah. It's hard when it you're doing it 50 it's times. It is very hard to do it. Right? And I said, yeah. oh. Yeah. And they're wearing their combat boots. They're not in expensive sneakers. Yeah. They're not in a cute gym outfit. They're, yeah. in, <laughs> they're in their combat gear and they're doing this. I said, that is a workout. Yeah. And they're doing pull-ups in like an uh, incredible short amount of time where okay. I couldn't. I said, okay. Well, if you, so if you really want to get fit, join the special forces. <laughs> join the special forces. I think that, forces. that ship has sailed for exactly. me. You know? <laughs> but, you know, yeah. the physical fitness, I mean, it, yeah. I think it's so key it is. to well-being. I mean, we talk a lot about vitamins and supplements and things like that. I, I really think it's at least half the deal, you know, to exercise. Exercise is definitely part yeah. of the equation. Yeah. And now this is interesting to know that it's not always cardio, cardio, aerobics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For blood pressure, yeah, yeah, that yeah. isometrics have a place. Yeah. All exercise has a place. So yeah. if you have your favorites, continue doing them. Don't stop yeah. because you don't think it's good for your blood pressure. No, it's yeah. still good for your blood pressure. You know, and I have to say that in early in my exercise career, uh, which is really not that illustrious, I was really you know didn't do much in high school and even in college. I began mm-hmm. in college to do a little running. Uh, is I was what could be termed a running fool, which means I'd get up. And I'd strap on my sneakers and I'd just go for a run. Uh-huh. No stretching, nothing. Just go. Just go. And you can do that when you're in your 30s and 40s, right. maybe. But, you know, I don't think I uh, devoted enough time to strengthening my core, mm-hmm. to diversifying. And what I really appreciate is when I'm in the gym and I see young people in the gym, they're doing a lot of the right things early on. They have been schooled maybe through... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, physical education classes, or maybe through the internet, because a lot of people learn this stuff through you know, watching, uh, you know, uh, YouTube or yeah. you know, videos on things, and they're doing a lot of these fundamentals that I kind of ignored because it was like, yeah, let's you know, let's not waste time, let just run, yeah, you know, or just get on the bicycle, go, just go, you know, and go shoot some hoops, go play a sport, go, yeah, just yeah. go, yeah. Well, it's it's all it's all good. Take a volleyball to the beach, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's all good. Absolutely, it's all good. So, Michael, thank you very much for bringing this to our attention. All right. And, you know, the pre- again, you know, the prevalence of, of uh, hypertension is about 50% for people over the age of 60. Right. Uh, it is almost the rule rather than the exception. I think the exception is relatively uncommon to see people who are older who are not on blood pressure medications, unfortunately. That's true. Well, uh, you know, the guidelines, the, the definitions of what's hypertension, keep- what's... Pre-hypertension now is what used to be normal. I know, but twenty years they're ago. recognizing that even lower levels than we thought yeah. are potentially harmful. Like one thirty over eighty, it's already one thirty is a little too high. You know, we right. want to know. But they're calling one twenty over eighty yeah. hypertension, a pre-hypertension. Pre, 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 pre. Uh, look, mm-hmm. it is. I think that's a, a signal to get physically fit because if you drop your blood pressure, you drop it too precipitously, then. And, uh, you know, you have problems that way, too. So That's side true. effects of blood pressure medication. Um, the um, So what's interesting is we now have ways of measuring blood sugar very nicely, the CGM, you know, yes. the continuous glucose monitor. Mm-hmm. So far, we haven't really developed the technology for an amb- a non-invasive or non-nuisance blood pressure monitor. We can give people these things, but they kind of like inflate and they make noise and they squeeze your arm. And yes. We will have within, I predict the next five years, commercially available, affordable 
continuous blood pressure monitors where you yeah. can, they're wearables where you'll be able to get a tracing all the time. Like, what's my blood pressure when I'm exercising? Yeah. What's my blood pressure when I'm sleeping? What's my blood pressure when my mother-in-law calls me? Or, <laughs> yeah. or when, you know, when my boss says, meet me in the office exactly. this afternoon, exactly. you know, uh, that but kind of thing. Yeah, but Dr. Hoffman, people expect that blood pressure should be stagnant, no, stationary. It's not. it's not. It's like the accelerator of a car. Yeah. Are you taking a long walk? Are you yeah. going for a run? Are you sitting still no, watching a movie? No, it goes up when you exercise. Are you watching yeah. a sports program yeah. no. and you're jumping up and down? Yeah. That's what it's supposed to do. Right. You want a suppleness. Exactly. And yep. your blood pressure is going to be different standing right. up than sitting down, than laying down. Right. Having it's a, supposed to happen. Having hypertension at rest is a little bit like, you know, you put, you know, put, you try to put the brakes on and the car keeps going, or alternatively, you put the pedal to the metal and the car doesn't go. It, right. It's a form of autonomic dysfunction. Yes. Where your autonomic nervous system, which is supposed to speed up in response to demands, doesn't mm -hmm. and it's it speeds up when you're at rest yeah you know so that yeah. is we have to address that you know with right. to train it yes you know uh, deliberately mm -hmm. push it relax push relax also relax relax is important too right right and it's not all about salt everybody's advice oh, to go on a low salt yeah, diet uh, what matters more is the ratio potassium of, to sodium. of cal yeah, sodium to potassium, mm -hmm. all of that. That'll be in an upcoming, it's about the ratio mm -hmm. of all that. We need more potassium in our diets. We need to eat more produce. Yeah. We need to eat more whole foods, more than anything. And the nitric oxide that all that stuff delivers. Absolutely. You know, those foods like arugula and beets and, you know, all that and stuff. celery. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well, complicated subject, but uh, thanks, mm -hmm. Michael, for teeing us off on this. Yes. And so let's get to questions. Questions at drhoffman.net, destination for questions. Let's hear some of them. We've got an email from Jill. What are your thoughts and recommendations on foods high in oxalates? Am I supposed to avoid spinach, sweet potatoes, nuts, okay. chocolate? So there's kind of this new vogue. There is. On oxalates. Now, so mm -hmm. originally, and we've known about oxalates for a long time. Mm -hmm. Oxalates can cause kidney stones because the predominant type of kidney stones is a calcium oxalate stone. So some people who have high oxalate diets or they don't process oxalates, maybe it's intestinal, they lack the oxalobacter formigenes, which processes yeah. oxalates. Yeah. Maybe there's other genetic factors. Uh, maybe they're on meds. Maybe mm -hmm. they're dehydrated, blah, blah, blah. So that's well, all we, of thought, the above. we yeah. thought that was the end all and be all of oxalates. Mm -hmm. But we also now know that oxalates may be responsible, and this actually came up in the 90s, vulvodynia is associated with yeah. high oxalate diet. So there's yes. a low oxalate diet for vulvar pain and mm -hmm. burning. Mm -hmm. uh, but the latest is kind of a vogue, which suggests that oxalates are kind of like, um, you know, they're the, sort of the new uh, hidden culprit behind uh, complicated, mysterious uh, syndromes. Mm. And I, like joint aches and pains. Well, that more aren't. than just arthritis, because there is a form of arthritis. They say it's rare, but it's probably more prevalent, where there's oxalate deposition in the joints. Mm -hmm. And we've had some patients with arthritis who responded to low oxalate diets. Yeah, uh, not that often, but uh, that is sometimes the case. So I yeah. remember a few distinct cases. But it's also thought that these brain problems and all kinds of problems are associated with oxalate metabolism, and it is one of these sort of esoteric. Uh, 
it's a little bit of a fad, but there may be something to it. So I've actually tried to arrange a guest Great. who's going to come in and talk about this. Great, because and I can't imagine that spinach, sweet potatoes, and nuts are bad for our brains. Right. But, I mean, look, I mean, there's yeah. uh, there's also this guy, Gundry, who is yes. uh, a big, you know, and it makes for an interesting story. It's sort of like uh, toxic plants. Yes. You know, uh, These uh, vegetables, we were just talking to a patient today, as yeah. a matter of fact, yeah. said, but this doctor on the internet says, what about oxalates? And we talked at length about it. And again, we talked about the beneficial bacteria, oxalobacter formagenes which if you've got a good healthy microbiome, you have enough of the O-formagenes to help in the metabolism yep. of the oxalate in your spinach. Should you ever eat a whole container of spinach? Why would you ever do that? Mm -hmm. But hey, in our day of smoothies and things, people are taking entire bags and containers of spinach, making a smoothie and drinking it down. You should never make a smoothie or a juice out of more than the portion that you would actually eat. You have to pay attention to a recipe when it comes to making that smoothie. More is not better. If you eat too many apples, you will get a stomach ache. It will happen. Yep. One apple might keep the doctor away. Five of them, not so much. Back to back. Yep, it's yep. sitting. That's what we're talking about. So, we, you know, I'm looking at, uh, you know, this is sort of the stuff here, like... Uh, uh, dietary oxalate impacts monocyte metabolism and inflammatory signaling in humans. And so there is, uh, and this is a, you know, a well-referenced uh, scientific study that suggests that there may be some insidious effects of oxalates. And we're going to see where that uh, pans out because yeah. it may be the key to some, you know, enigmatic type uh, conditions. Um, so, And you know what? I find it interesting. Inflammatory conditions. Inflammatory conditions. I find it interesting that these kind of things are coming up now when the only question I want to ask is, when was the last time you took an antibiotic? And how did that mess up your microbiome that now suddenly you're a kidney stone former? Mm -hmm. Things like that. Whereas you weren't a kidney stone former in the first, say, 50 years of your life. Suddenly you're forming kidney, kidney stones. What? Well, should you take an antibiotic every time you have a sinus infection or have dental work, etc., etc., etc.? What is happening to our microbiome that now is causing this kind of reactivity to foods, whether it's general on a macro level where you, where you actually feel these bodily aches, pains, or on a micro level, you're talking about what it does to monocytes right. and things. Where, where the we macro see level means actual crystals forming yes. in your synovial fluid. Yeah, you know, like gout. It's, yes, you know, like almost like a form of pseudo gout. You know, without yeah. uric acid, but instead it's oxalic mm -hmm. uh, acid. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, all right, that took us down the rabbit hole a little bit, but we'll explore <laughs> this subject in we a will. upcoming. I mean, because I have a bunch of interesting guests lined up for the fall and you know we're going to try and touch upon you know some familiar areas but also mm -hmm. some areas that we haven't uh, tackled in great depth before because we always like to break new ground here on intelligent medicine I'm open to that discussion yes but uh, yeah I just don't I want to talk to some experts who really absolutely value let's see what's that. going on there or what is burgeoning and what else is playing into it what is confounding our actual observation 
of what's happening. Mm -hmm. Really, be, I, I'd be very interested. Well, you know, just as like Dr. Perlmutter has put uric acid yeah. on the map for us, yeah. and have a, we have a more understanding of the pervasive effects of uric acid. It's not just about gout. Yeah, it's also about other conditions like hypertension and metabolic syndrome. And it's not just about eating dietary purines that it has to do with insulin resistance and yes. carbs that and contain. And all of those things will cause blood pressure and gout. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. so maybe the oxalic acid uh, paradigm will yield some insights into mm -hmm. how to get people better with diet modification. Absolutely. Maybe a low oxalate diet will have some additional effects besides preventing kidney stones. Okay, enough said. Um, let's see if we can get in another question. Let's see here. We've got one from Dan. My eye doctor says I have the beginning of dry macular degeneration. She put me on uh, on a preservation program of the ARIDS 2 supplements. Right. ARIDS is the eye big eye study yeah. that showed initially ARIDS 1, showed that I think zinc was helpful, mm -hmm. and then they expanded to ARIDS 2 where they showed the uh, combination of lutein, zeaxanthin, I think DHA mm -hmm. from fish oil and zinc. Uh, maybe some other constituents to that. So they've created these ARIDS formulas. I think Bosch & Loam, the eye company, bought the ARIDS intellectual property, the RIP, and translated it into an eye supplement. Ah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's Bosch called the ARIDS the, They're the, the ARIDS makers formula. of contact lenses, yeah. right? So, okay. But it's kind of like, yeah, you know, let's get into supplements yeah. because if there's some plausible ways to prevent eye problems, let's, uh, you know, in effect, cash in on it. Yeah. Right, right. So have the beginning of dry macular de degeneration. It's great to be proactive. Dan also says I'm I'm also scheduled for cataract surgery. Any supplements I should consider? Well, uh, for the surgery, yeah, or not to take for the surgery. I mean, I don't think that supplements uh, have a big impact on on that. I mean, maybe on changing you out your lens. Yeah, I mean it's. You know, the lens is already a pacifying. Yeah. Uh, the new one is made out of a synthetic material that is not going to be protected by antioxidants. So, you know, get you're it, have, get it Dan, done. You're going to have bionic vision <laughs> exactly. at the end of your exactly. cataract surgery. It really is that. Right. I mean, look, I mean, yeah. actually, we just, other things that could be helpful. I mean, there's some information that suggests that taurine may contribute to that in some eye formulas. Mm -hmm. N-acetylcysteine is in some eye formulas because it's a glutathione precursor. Uh, I just talked to Neil Levin about astaxanthin. There yeah. may be some eye benefits to astaxanthin, which is in the Terrific. carotenoid family. It's related to lutein and, and zeaxanthin. It's also a pigment, mm -hmm. but it's a reddish pigment as opposed to yellow-orangish yeah. pigments, uh, which may play a role in certain parts of the eye. Mm -hmm. um, so there is some evidence of the potential benefits of astaxanthin. And it's, yeah. it's, I did a whole podcast with him on that subject. So if you see that podcast, I think it posted last week, um, the astaxanthin is the pigment that is actually added to foreign salmon to turn it pink. But right, it, right. It, it, it's natural in, uh, in natural salmon, Yes, uh, which is responsible for the reddish color. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's useful for a variety mm -hmm. of purposes, but it has some eye benefits. Okay. So nothing really scheduled for an upcoming cataract surgery. You wouldn't have them stop fish oil or... You know, I mean, yeah. I don't, it's not really that bloody an operation, really. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, maybe if he's taken an inordinate amount of fish oil or, you know, something that can thin the blood, like Inca Biloba, maybe that's 
you know, good idea to stop at 72 yeah. hours before the surgery. And then restart it sometime yeah. later or yeah. something, yeah. To, to make the surgery work better. I mean, it's yeah. hard to screw it up, you know, yeah. in my opinion. Okay. Uh, from a nutritional standpoint, I mean, technically it is possible to screw it up, but mm -hmm. you know, can a poor diet lead to a bad outcome? Yes, I mean, you're extremely nutritionally deficient. Your healing won't be as good, but... Right, right. You know. Make sure you're in good form, Dan. You want to be in top form for any kind of surgery. Zinc, vitamin C, these are reparative things, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right, so good point at which to pause because we divide our podcast into two parts, as you all know. Those of you who are experienced listeners to Q&A with Layla and our series of Intelligent Medicine podcasts, don't forget uh, we've got a full complement of podcasts throughout the week, which you can find via your usual source of podcasts, be it DearHoffman.com or Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or you name it. We're on all the big podcast purveyors, and you can subscribe. Uh, questions at DearHoffman.net, destination for questions. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and it's our Q&A with Layla. We'll be right back.